Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by assholeconsulting.com. Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. And now, your host... Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Greetings and salutations. It's late night, Clary. Woo, the gain on this. Had to update these Blue Yeti mics. Let me tell you a little inside biz. Everyone says get the, the Yeti mic, Blue Yeti mic. Oh my God, Yeti mic, Blue Yeti mic. Uh, there is a major problem they haven't fixed with it, and it's something to do with their drivers. Then, and you can record one or two or three times with it, and it'll work just fine. You may notice that the audio is this time is a lot better than the past two times. That's because I forgot when I went on vacation uh, that uh, the Blue Yeti mic, celebrated as it is, will slowly get softer and softer and softer until the point in time you're like, did I have to turn up the gain? Do I? And no, it's it's a a driver problem. So pretty much every time you want to use your Blue Yeti mic, you have to uninstall the drivers, turn the computer off, turn it back on, reinstall the drivers, which of course is why I paid $100 for the microphone. Anyway, it's the Clary Podcast, and it's late night. Everyone's gone. It's, it's uh, what, one thirty. Everyone's gone to bed because they're normal. And uh, it's kind of getting eerie and frequently quiet. It's getting really starting to annoy me. Uh, it was started by the not drinking and I'm sleeping later and later because I'm not going to bed earlier and earlier. I just stay up. I've also been working on that new essay, which is turning into a small book. I didn't think it would turn into a as large of an essay as it did, but you know, I like to be thorough. I don't want to add too much, nor do I want to skimp out on it uh, and, and cut corners where it would not be necessary to want to leave anything on the ground. But, uh, yeah, you go to Perkins, and then when all of a sudden, when the booze crowd goes home, when they go home and you're there by yourself at Perkins, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm going to go home. And then everybody's just said the, the town, the WBL is shut down. Just honest to God. I'm not going to complain. not going to complain. Uh, because someone has it a lot worse than me. And that is our good friend Chris Beckloff. I did want to give agnostic prayers if there is such a thing. I, I'm not praying. I am just uh, want to give my condolences. And uh, I know a lot of you guys listen to, to Chris and you listen to his podcast, or at least you know he's friends of the podcast here. He had a bad 48 hours. Uh, unfortunately, he had to put his dog down um, because uh, you know, the dog was getting old and, and had uh, he suspects kidney failure or something, but he had to... Put his dog down, and nobody likes doing that. He also then got laid off uh, due to the company um, losing contract. It wasn't anything he did. It was it was outside of his control. And basically, that's all I was trying to tell him. Like, look, this all this was outside of your control, um, which I think he understands. And then, then to add insult to injury and a broken heart, someone bashes into his car. And so, uh, at minimum, if, if you want, go and, and uh, tune into the Beckloff or subscribe to him. 
uh, I know that seems a bit sterile and economic and Vulcan-like in the logic, but if you would tune into his show, uh, he's broadcasting Saturday, which would be today by the time I publish this, and um, you know, just or just mention some comments on on his uh, on his YouTube channel when he goes online tomorrow, and uh, anyone out there who's looking for an employee of some kind, I was talking to him. I said, "Well, what's your degree?" Which I hate asking because. If anybody knows it, it doesn't matter what your degree is, it would be me. And so um, I'm just thinking, like, well, where, who, who do I know? Like, is there somebody out there that I know <clears throat> that might be looking for a job? And what kind of skills do you bring? But basically, if any of you guys are out there looking to hire somebody, um, ideally over the Internet, uh, because he's, you know, not that he's against moving. And if you got somebody like, hey, yeah, I fly out, uh, you know, maybe he would check it out. But uh, he's looking for a job. And this guy is a hard worker. Uh, I've, I, I offered him a little bit of piddly work on the side, nothing fancy. Have him write for my blog and, and sub for me once or twice uh, for the podcast while I try and finish off this book because it is going way too painfully slow. Um, but uh, if any of you out there are looking for a reliable man, you know, old school 1950s handshake type of thing, man of his word, an honorable man, guy can figure things out. And you're not going to require he has a master's plus five years experience preferred with CPE continuing credits from the, the Institute of, uh, of uh, Never-Ending Studies. Uh, let me know or just contact Chris. You know, you can look up Chris Beckloff. He's got his podcast out there. Actually, I'm wondering if I went to his YouTube channel, finding us a lot of YouTube people. They, uh, they don't have their contact information. Oh, they got Twitter and they got Facebook, but they don't have an email. I plastered that stuff all over the place. Past week has been... I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it until the drama and the chaos about YouTube's demonetization policy kicked in and went into effect. And, oh, that's that's the talk of YouTube because all these people on YouTube make either their living or the heavily subsidized or they make their beer money and they don't want their beer money or better to go away. And so uh, because this has employed, YouTube has employed, I'd say at least thousands, I might even say millions of people are giving them a, a quasi substitute for government check with some you know money and earning. It did a lot of, you know, the internet has done a lot of good allowing people to be employed. So a lot of people are freaked out about losing their, their money and demonetization. And what I did is I put together this simple video saying, look, okay, YouTube won't run their ads on your on your channel or not necessarily channel. They just won't run your ads on that one video. Like they demon- they don't demonetize your channel. They demonetize individual videos. And so I'm saying, all right, so Google does that. So you don't make any more money off of off of YouTube. For that one video. Well, why don't you run your own individual ads? Nothing's preventing you from running your own ads, getting your own advertisers and marketers, and I simply likened it to what it really is with blogs and podcasts and YouTube or online streaming videos. That's the new version of newspapers, radio, and television. And how did newspapers, radio, and television make money? They ran ads. They ran commercials. 
And they didn't just wait for the radio tower to start farting out sponsors and, and advertisers. They went on the hunt. They became salesmen and says, we have a show. Uh, and would you like to advertise it, on it? And that was my whole point. I'm like, look, I run ads predominantly for my own stuff. But I'm saying, so what? You, you, can, you can run your own ads. A lot of people. The people freaking out the most about it are the ones who like make, you know, Hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, tens of thousands of dollars a month. Oh my gosh, Rabbi. Look, you have 2 million, even 250,000, 20 million subscribers. You get an average view of 500,000, a million views. Uh, You don't need Google. You don't need YouTube. You don't need their permission. Go and charge to sell ads. And then the responses I got, which were sad but true, was people pointing out, look, these people are great. Even the most prominent one, prominent YouTubers. These people are great YouTubers. These guys are great uh, social media celebrities. They are horrible capitalists and businessmen and women. They're just horrible. They have not one ounce. And, and it doesn't even matter whether it's because of laziness or they just don't know or the lack of hustle or the lack of logic. We don't have that. They just, they do not monetize and capitalize on what is nothing different than having a very popular television show or radio show. But as I've pointed out a million times before, as with podcasting, you don't have the overhead of a building with a radio tower on it. You don't have the, 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 overhead of Salesforce or salespeople. All you have to do in your YouTube channel is say, I am looking for advertisers or would you like to advertise on this show? And you could cut out Google and probably probably make more selling ads directly to your listeners from the, directly from the advertisers, from your sponsors, than having YouTube take its cut as it tries to advertise for all the PC, Fortune 500, uh, uh, brown noser type of, you know, politically correct, uh, goody two-shoes, pearl-clutching uh, Fortune 500 companies. I even remember what, I was saying, look, the controversial videos are the best ones to run your own advertise. so they, they, that's fine. YouTube got rid of the, the controversy, or the ads on the controversial videos. That's great. Because you could put your own on now, not that you couldn't before, but after a while it gets to be too many advertisings, but you could put your own video, your own ads on that controversial video, and because it's controversial and it's specific to your audience and that's why they listen to it, they're likely, much more likely to buy what you're advertising on the controversial ones because they're more loyal, it's more of a niche market. And so I put that video up and I'm thinking like, okay, this is, this is... A hot topic on YouTube. This is, you know, demonetization. Put that in the title. It's a great message. Not only because it's a great message, but it's true. It's 100% true. And it's going to be beneficial for pretty much every YouTuber content creator out there. Minor to major. And I get like maybe 4,000 views. 4,000. This this spoke directly to the most popular, most watched YouTube channel people out there. These big, big uh, YouTube celebrities. And not one person would pick it up. Not one person would for Not one of them sent it. Not anybody linked to it. Not anybody mentioned it. 
It's just like the housing crisis. Like, hey, warning the sirens. Hey, big, here's the data. Here's reality. No one wants to listen to it. Nobody. Anyway, so hopefully Chris has some means by which you could contact him on his YouTube channel. So tune in. uh, Send him your your kind words. And uh, Chris, if you're listening, really sorry about that, man. And, uh, you know, you'll get through it, obviously. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing, nothing, nothing to do about it. But... There is good news. White social justice warrior dies at hands of black killer. Is this good news? Yes, it's great news. It is great news. By Colin Flaherty at the American Thinker. Nobody had to tell Karina Mihail about the white privilege that killed her. It was a major focus of her life as a white social justice warrior disguised as an artist. (laughs) Oh, artists. You guys are so cute. You guys aren't artists. You guys are just leftist hacks, and you use a medium that you call art as a way to spread your word, man. I saw some of her art. It's absolute crap. Earlier this month, that work took her to George Washington University in the nation's capital. There she was part of a project drawing attention to one feature of white privilege or another. This time, lead paint in, an old house, in old houses occupied predominantly by black people. Just a few days after she was photographed with Nancy Pelosi grinning in approval, friends found Mihil tied up, stabbed, tortured, and ultimately dead at the hands of El Haji Alpha Madui Tour, a black man arrested driving her car and using her debit card. He said he didn't do it. So you're right, you're right, didn't do. Okay, you didn't do it. Even the newest practitioner of critical race theory learns that the expectation of safety is a white thing. Black people don't have it, so why should white people think they deserve it? That is what, well, there's increasing numbers of black people who are escaping the ghetto and uh, starting to, to not necessarily join whitey, but uh, join the, uh, the let's make money and let's major in STEM and let's go computer programming. And, you know, and I, I could be wrong, but I think and this is predominantly black men because I do not converse that much with black women. I have a couple of female black, uh, female black fans, but I think the black men. They're, they ain't aiming for the white picket fences. They ain't aiming for the three-car garage. I think that they are so battle-scarred and battle-hardened and battle-weary. I, I Truly, one of the rare instances where post-traumatic stress syndrome would be applicable in a non-wartime setting. I think they are so beleaguered and mentally taxed. Not only getting out of the black community and, and suffering whatever drama and bullshit black women typically, not always, but typically um, have forced upon them. And, and all, the, all the Oreo and your race trader and all that. Those who are aiming or have achieved or in the process of achieving, um, escaping the ghetto culture, escaping and, and doing better for themselves. They're, they're not aiming <laughs> to go from one frying pan to the other, getting out of the ghetto to go get married and then risk getting getting divorced. I think I'm not not sure, but I think a lot of them, especially the circles we're running around out here in the manosphere, they understand the concept of income per capita, and they know if they they stick their head into some gal's hole, uh, there's a couple more head or capita running around than just the original one that did all the work, and then your income per capita goes down a lot. I think they're just going for that sweet bachelor lifestyle or no kid type of deal. Um, now, this not this guy. This is this is Baltimore. This is shit. But I wouldn't say 
You know, obviously not all black men are down in Baltimore in lead paint houses killing white social justice warriors. But if you did kill white, I wouldn't. I'd be for you, man. I, that's not a racial. Everyone wants to kill social justice warriors. We can unite on that. That'll be our platform. I know we got differences and this or that, and you know, race and religion, ethnicity and class. But we can all agree we got to kill more social justice warriors. Uh, that is what activists by the score told Tracy Holverson in response to her article, Baltimore, You Are Breaking My Heart, detailing the day-to-day black-and-white harassment, threats, violence, and murder in her gentrified Baltimore neighborhood. All detailed in that scintillating bestseller, Don't Make the Black Kids Angry. None of that mattered to Mihiel or to the reporters who praised racial activism <clears throat> even as they ignored the bitter irony of her death. Mahil was white and down with the cause, so Mahil thought the cause was down with her. So did her friends. A fatal mistake. Now, and then let's focus on that. Fatal, literally fatal, not metaphorically fatal. Not we're using that as as the word literally, even though mean literally mean emphasis. Uh, but this was lit, this was literally a fatal mistake. It cost her her life. Awful, said Rafer Hawksworth. I wonder if the suspect suspect would have spared her had he known how hard she fought for social justice during her life. He probably would have killed her just the same because I think for later on it was for drugs. Uh, the, these, these, uh, these people are not going and getting their masters over at Middlebury University in white male privilege studies. Uh, they, they are, frankly, more deserving. Uh, as scummy as this guy is, I'm going to say he deserves more of a life than your average social justice warrior and liberal arts major. Because this person likely was not born into the advantages that would afford you to go to Middlebury or Cornell or wherever the fuck it is you worthless people go. Um, so, I, I mean, honestly, if I have to say who's the more evil person, Mikhail, the good guy won in this one, even though he's not that good. But uh, to, you, to you, you clueless, snobby elitists who think that, uh, well, he, did he know about how much she understood her privilege? And No. You guys are, again, you've never, you don't hang out with anyone but rich, swipple white kids in liberal arts colleges nestled within uh, fancy New England states, living off of your mommy and daddy's credit card. You guys, you guys do not. You've never worked for a living. You never worked. You don't know, one, poverty, and two, could not therefore even begin to theorize what it would be like to be black and to be in poverty. Because you just think, don't they know? I'm sure if we looked up Rafer Hawksworth, should we? Where's my phone? Do I have my phone? I leave that upstairs. Is that in my pocket? Where'd it go? Nah, it's upstairs. Dang it. Uh, She's hardly the first preacher of the gospel of relentless black victimization to die at the hands of black people whom thought to protect from relentless white racist violence. In Oakland, David Runzel, a former, a white writer, I guess he is former, because he's dead. <laughs> In Oakland, David Runzel, a white writer for the Southern Poverty Law Center who was among the first to write about that thing called white privilege, met a similar fate in Oakland Park documented in these pages. Uh, any links to those pages, I don't know what happened. Then there was the Baltimore t-shirt vendor for Black Lives Matter, robbed, beaten, but still alive, 
and the old white dude who was trying to convince a group of Black Lives protesters in Berkeley not to loot the Radio Shack. They hit him in the head with a hammer for his trouble. He lived too. The list is long. Uh, more white allies know enough to do their virtue display a safe distance from the black predators they seek to shelter and exonerate. But not Mihil. Her Facebook page and blog are full of anger towards white racism that she was convinced was causing so much violence towards innocent black people. Quote, this year has been exciting and terrifying. So many tragedies inflicted on the full spectrum of non-white males in my country. I've spent many days trying to understand this movement moment in our history, feeling so proud of what we have all accomplished. Well, you haven't accomplished anything. This is another thing. More, little, If you're a social justice warrior or just a leftist in general, you have not done anything to help out blacks and minorities. Under Obama, the, the plight, I, I don't know of other uh, races, because I haven't done the statistics of the study or the analysis, but I did look it up. Did blacks improve under Obama? They did not. I mean, minor ups and downs here and there, but there, there was no tangible improvement nor, nor decay in, in intellectual honesty. Um, but your leftist policies have done nothing, nothing to help uh, the black community, tangibly. But again, I, I know, and I, I just wonder why it takes so long for even the conservatives or the non-leftists to get up to my level of understanding and start accusing you leftists of what it is. You guys don't care about it. You guys do not care about helping out black people. You don't care about helping out the, the native Indians. You don't care about helping out Hispanics. You don't care about helping out women. You just are doing it for yourself, for popularity, because you have nothing else going on. You're, you're worse than arrogant. You're lazy, and you are abusing these people for your own, not even financial gain, although some people do get jobs from it, but just for your emotional, can't call it gain, but your feels. Because you want to be popular or accepted. And if, if more and more mainstream Republicans, the conservative, or not conservative, the uh, congressional Republicans, public Republicans, public figure Republicans, politicians, <clears throat> would just get in the face of these people and say, you haven't done jack. You're just a spoiled little, you know, like a standard old Cleary tirade. And then maybe, man, not maybe, but I almost guarantee you, you're going to start winning over some of the, the minority male voters. Not the minority female voters because they're too addicted to, uh, to a government check. But it, it would not be hard. You put, Again, at any point in time, Republican Party, you want to win over the minority male vote in this country. You come hire me for an egregious fee, by the way. We're talking millions of dollars, and I will, I will, I will consult you. I will advise you better than that Dick Morris fella. And you're going to pay me at least 50 times as much as him because I'm actually going to produce your results. And the Democrat Party will never win. An election again. Never. But, I mean, you'd have to grow a pair, which I know you guys don't have, so never mind. That was just a waste of time and speculation. Uh, I spent trying to feeling so proud of what we have all accomplished. Nothing. She just, nothing. Sobbing with the country at the death of the young, beautiful people in Orlando, crying to my father after watching a Philando Castile pass in real time in front of the world, his strong and beautiful girlfriend having the strength to show that story to an already grieving country, <clears throat> and all, this is her still speaking, and though it all, and through it all, watching the women in my life spend the year in worried apprehension, trying to be excited for the future, and all the while listening as others rallied around chants of hate and fear towards people of color, people of other religions, people of lesser sex, people of, what, is there a lesser sex? I didn't know, is there a lesser sex? That's a new one. <clears throat> 
say the opposite sex, the fairer sex. That's even a compliment. I'm sure the feminists will construe that to mean something negative as well. People don't check one gender box. Her Facebook page is bursting with the gospel of black victimization from the death of Biggie Smalls to the white racism of Donald Trump to the white racism destroying schools in Detroit and everything in between. Her belief... Well, wait, how is... There's no white people left in Detroit. Her belief in black victimization came, she said, at an early age when her mother read to her a book that would change her life. It Takes a Village by Hillary Lodge Rodham Clinton. <laughs> and you know what? You know what's great is... The mom paid the price now, too. The mom, I don't know about the dad. The dad doesn't sound like a, a, a liberal leftist ideologue. But you know what? You want to imbue politics, leftist politics, in your little daughter. You want to ignore reality. You want to send her to, to dangerous places. Teach her that, oh, it's always Whitey's fault. And oh, I mean, and it's not, even, it's not even an issue of, oh, it's always Whitey's fault. It's the naivete that you should be going to uh, the bad parts of Baltimore at night. Uh, <clears throat> that that transcends race or anything like that. But I'm glad, I'm, and again, I'm not saying this to sound funny or cute. I'm not saying this to be shocking. I don't care about the London terror attacks. I don't care about any future attacks in Europe. I care attacks upon my own personal life or people I care about. That I do care about, obviously. Uh, but for things I cannot control, I don't care about. And I do not care that this girl died. As a matter of fact, I'm happy she died, and I'm happy the leftist mother lost her daughter. Okay? And this is the level we got to get to. You know, I'm not going violent. I'm not saying attack people. I'm not endorsing violence. But when enemies die, when people who want to parasite off of me and live off of me and accuse me of all these sins I've never committed, and that I have the, the original sin of racism or gender privilege or whatever it is, this made-up malarkey, in a naked, one, coming from inferior people such as these two gals, uh, and then two, to simply steal my money, to have me forfeit a higher percentage of my finite life, enslaving myself to these women or what they want me to vote for, want to vote for. Uh, I am happy that both of them are, well, one is dead and the other one is probably grieving tremendously. And even then, I, I loathe left, leftists so much, and I know them so well. I'm wondering if the mom is even really grieving, or if the mom is sopping up all the attention now. Because if she's a leftist, she's a real lefty, she loves herself more than anyone else, and even though she might be grieving over her daughter, kind of like this, uh, I know this is going to sound horrible, um, but Patty Wetterling, if you want to look her up, she's this local gal that run, ran for office. Her, unfortunately, her son died tragically. Oh, no, it wasn't Patty Wetterling. I take that back. That's a different one. I'm thinking of a completely different woman. There's elements of that in Patty Wetterling's case. There was the gal, the mom who lost her son in Iraq, and then she went on this huge leftist anti-Iraq crusade, and instead of honoring her son, she used him as a, um, as a way to gain attention, to be an attention whore. The husband divorced her and all that other stuff. Does that ring a bell? <clears throat> Some of you know her name. I don't. I don't know her name. Um, but it would not surprise me if a gal who's reading "It Takes a Village" to her little daughter, back in what the '90s, she probably loves the religion more than her daughter, and is the type of person who is probably going to attention whore this up. In either case, whether that is the case. 
which is very sad because she has she's like Hillary Clinton. She has no love people that she's incapable of love. Or she actually did love her daughter and now is tragically, you know, that's horrible. That's horrible. But she deserves it. And I don't care. That's what happens when you're a stupid parent and you do not raise your children properly. Hillary's book may have neglected to mention that black-on-white murder is wildly out of proportion and how a black person is 27 times at least more likely to murder a white person than vice versa. I have an interesting statistical observation on the black-on-white versus white-on-black or any, any race between one and, and they talk it out of proportion, and this guy says 27 times. If I recall correctly, I thought it was six based on what I saw. I guess it depends on the crime. But here's my point, and here's my question. If you're in the United States where blacks are only 12% of the population and whites account for roughly 66% of the population, doesn't that by default mean you're going to kill more whites than blacks? Like if you if you had a dartboard and it had 100 squares, so it was composed of 100 squares, all colored <clears throat> accordingly, to the proportion of race, so you you know uh, white, black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, and you just started randomly throwing darts. It wouldn't matter who you were racially speaking, but the majority of the time you'd be bumping off a lot of white squares. And just just something that I've thought, and I'm not I'm not defending the black community for killing a bunch of white people. I'm, I'm not defending anyone for killing anybody. Um, Although, like, man, I got to hand it to this guy to bump off this SJW. Uh, but uh, it's it's one thing I want to. It, it's one of those things where I try to stay intellectually honest with the numbers and the statistics because, yeah, I wouldn't doubt the numbers are true, but is are we interpreting those numbers correctly? Like, let's say you're this you're the one guy in Smorgensborg, Finland. You know, you're the one black guy, and you you. You have nothing but white people to kill. <laughs> you cannot help but have a racial crime committed. You steal, you you burglar, whatever, because you're the only non-white guy in Finland. You know, you're. It's going to be racially motivated, or not racially motivated, but it'll be there'll be a racial component no matter what you do. So, in other words, there would not be a racial component. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, In a few days before and after Mihail's murder, that trend continued around the country. Down in Jacksonville, Florida, a white music teacher, teachers, are you going to change lives? Are you going to, if it just changes, I I changed his life. I want to change lives. Told a black man that she did not want to hire him to clean her yard. He killed her. From the music teacher and mother of four, it was her second time around the block. 23 years ago, another black intruder broke into the same house and almost killed her. I wonder if she has a husband. For the killer, it was his 33rd arrest. Uh, Jacksonville News Station found her testimony at the trial and broadcasted it. In Tulsa, a 19-year-old white girl came home early for lunch and found a black person burglarizing her apartment. He killed her. Cops said the man they arrested her for murder was the chief suspect in two other murders, but they could not prove it. That is cop talk for this is his third murder at least. 
In Milwaukee, a group of black people carjacked a white city inspector and killed him. The mayor, who has himself appointed one of the nation's top preachers in the gospel of black victimization and white racism, appeared before the TV cameras to wonder how this could happen. No one reporter suggested the obvious. Violence and murder and denial is part of the pattern in Milwaukee and around the rest of the country, and he is part of the problem. In Spring Lake, North Carolina, a white mother of two was found murdered outside her home. Her black boyfriend is under arrest in Cincinnati. A white my name. Jamie Erton was driving through a black neighborhood when a black child darted in front of the car, striking it. It. Oh, I guess you can't mention boy or girl. I guess, yeah, you do keep kids under under anonymity. Uh, the child was shaken, but okay. Erton died after three black people pulled him from the car, beat him, and then shot him. Neighbors say it happens all the time. All right. Now, <clears throat> I'm not even going to go on the angle of black-on-white crime. I'm not doing that. I want to explain, and I think it's mentioned here on the first page. Uh, Even the newest practitioner of critical race theory learns that the expectation of safety is a white thing. Black people don't have it, so why should white people think they deserve it? That is what activists by the score told Tracy Holverson in response to her article titled, Baltimore, You Are Breaking My Heart, detailing the day-to-day black-on-white harassments, threats, violence, and murder in her gentrified Baltimore neighborhood. All detailed in that scintillating bestseller, Don't Make the Black Kids Angry. All right, so already, and I guarantee you can see it in the comments section wherever this article is flowing. I just happen to pick the American thinker. and It has a particular spin on it. But in any non-rightist, any non, pretty much anywhere else that you're going to find this article, you are going to see in the comments section the rush to say that she was not murdered by... Who's the guy that murdered her? Uh, Toure, or Tour. I'm not going to pronounce all five names before him. They will not say she was murdered by Tour. They will say Tour was a victim of the evil, white, oppressive, blah, 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 blah. He was a victim of his circumstances. Even Karina herself, while she was getting killed, was saying, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. And all these people are going to, they're not going to blame the man. They're not going to charter him with the responsibility agency of an adult and saying, this guy knows what he's doing. He took matters into his own hands. He, we have to treat him as an equal, both in terms of uh, uh, praise and adulation, as well as punishment and standards. They're gonna, they are going to treat him like a, a mental retard, like an inferior person, pat him on the head and just, he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know murder was, and he was forced. He was forced by all the environment and the racism and the patriarchy and the discrimination. And that's what you're going to hear from the left. What you're not going to hear is the real reason. Karina probably didn't care. Well, I mean, she probably did care. She was getting murdered in the end of it, I'm sure. But even to her death was not going to blame him. Is because deep down inside, these people are worthless. People like Karina and the people who are now saying it's not uh, Toure's fault or Tour's fault. And he immediately rushing in to say it's anything but Toure. It's, it's white male. It's These people have nothing else in their lives. They really, this Karina gal had nothing else in her life. You have to have nothing else in your life to become somebody this dumb and this wedded 
to to an ideology, and I don't I, I don't limit it just to leftist ideology. I li- limit it to religion, born again Christians. Someone becomes radicalized in Islam. Uh, <clears throat> hey, I'm going to join the Jews for whatever reason, but anything but Judaism. Right? Worthless people with nothing else going on in their lives, and it can be it can be evidenced by the crappy art, the lack of talent, the lack of value. This Karina gal did. 34 years old, not working a real job. In Baltimore, they have pictures of her like they had the, uh, what's it called? Uh, the meters, the parking meters. They were cutting them in half, and she was planting plants in them. Wasn't that just so pretty? And she decorated a bike in the ghetto. No, 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 no. She is a worthless, talentless person, offering nothing of value to this society, except, except for what the left has programmed and prepared as, as, a, as a fresh dish for, again, the blink computer disc that has to have some kind of operating programmed on it, and that is leftist politics. In this particular instance, her variety of leftist politics was race relations. It was victimization of minorities. That was, that was her. It was fighting against the white male patriarchy. Fine. Right? But in the end... That was merely masking the fact that this person is worthless. And when these people are forced, with death, with death, to decide whether or not their life itself is more important or their ideology is more important, well, their life has no value. And whether they know that consciously or not, I think unconsciously, intuitively, they do know that. And so you got to think of the quandary that they're the Karina girl was obviously facing a, a a paradox, a paradox of life. Do I fight back? Do do I get angry at this guy? In which case, I admit that my entire life, my entire thirty four years of life, was just pissed away. Maybe she had a good childhood. I don't know. Mom reading fucking leftist indoctrination probably wasn't that great of a childhood. But outside of her innocence, childhood, the, her, her entire life, her entire adult life was just a lie. That she was basically, the truth was she was lazy. Probably could have had talent if she worked at it like anybody else. You can work at it and you could get talent. You could become someone, but she didn't want to work hard. She wanted to put plants and, and parking meters that had the tops chopped off. And then to get whatever validation or value in life, but without, I've said it before, Value, without effort or work, she subscribed to this religion. And so she either had to admit that her entire life was worthless, and thus she was a worthless person, or she'd have to fight for her life. <clears throat> and and maybe, maybe she did try to fight for her life in the end. Oh, you're right, it's all bullshit. And she tried to fight. Well, it was too late because she was overpowered. Because I know, I know you girls like roundhouse kicking chick cop show. I know you like thinking a 110-pound waif of a girl can roundhouse kick a Russian mafioso spetsnaz, a specialist uh, you know, mafia guy with a gun. I know you've seen that. But not in this case, not in the real world. And, and the price was her life, sadly. In that regard, it is sad. That was her life. And then all the people defending her ideology, well, they're not really faced with the horrors or the true confrontation, the true test of her belief and ideology that Karina was with death. These people, like, like your typical armchair slacktivist, who have nothing else in value in life, who are equally worthless to this poor Karina girl, 
who, who aren't going to go and find real jobs, who just want to sit and pontificate from their liberal arts colleges nestled within New England hills, paid for and sponsored by Daddy's Rich Credit Card Company. Right? Uh, they're, they're certainly not threatened enough. They're certainly not under the gun or under threat enough to, have, to, to admit that what they believe is BS. They, they're, they're not there. They are not being forced to fight for their life. They're just there to make sure and protect. And, and think about that. That's what's really sad. They value their egos and their ideology more than this person's life. Now, you may not like Karina. I certainly don't like Korea. I certainly don't like parasites. I'm happy she's dead. But you got to think what this says about other people who are letting people get killed due to their ideology and they don't stand up for it, they don't point it out, and they don't reconsider. They're willing to let people of their own team die. Their own team die. Then give up their ideology. It reminds me of the sick, disgusting parents where they had a daughter that, I don't know, worked at some... It was in Africa somewhere. Uh, she worked at some... She is going to save... this. Uh, unlike all the millions of girls and rich people before her <clears throat> uh, from white suburbs in the United States and, and Europe who failed to help out blacks and, and help bring about uh, the end of poverty in Africa. This girl was going to change. She was going to she was going to change. And she ended up getting killed by a, a group of villagers. Uh, and a lot of people, oh, that's that's black on white. Again, it, maybe it was because I think they were trying to say, no, she's she's not one of them. She's one of us. She's one of us indicating that in the throngs of a, of a of a stoning or a beating that that the mob is going to listen to reason and evidence anyway. They killed her, and then her parents, who obviously didn't love the child. And again, you may think I was harsh to say, I, I wonder if the gal, her mom, is going to use this as an attention-whoring uh, opportunity or chess piece. Uh, the parents went there and magnan- magnanimously, magnanimously, arrogantly, holier than thouy, forgave the village for killing their daughter. And it just shows you how much they love, not their ideology, but their laziness, than they actually love their fellow leftist. And this is why they will get thrown under the bus. The, the left will turn on its own. Because what's driving the left is their, is their laziness and fear of work. And that's the strongest force ever, apparently enough for people to get killed. And if it's between them and another leftist, they, they will gladly throw the other leftists under the bus. They, they won't stand up and say, hey, we got to consider, you know, letting that. Because I think the guy had kind of a Middle Eastern sounding name. I'd be curious if he, he happens, well, he obviously has Middle Eastern heritage somewhere. I'd be curious if he was part of Islam. He sounded more like just a down and out uh, druggie. Uh, but neither here nor there. Uh, they, they will throw each other under the bus. This is when communism takes over. There's not going to be, you're not going to all be able to be uh, apparatchiks. or not apparatchiks, those are the farmers. You're not all going to be commissars. You're not all going to be vice reserve assistant deputy diversity directors. You're not all going to be teachers. Some of you have to work. And you know who's going to work? Those of you who aren't connected. Those of you who are not close to the military or those with the guns. 
And a lot of you are going to be surprised when all of a sudden you were a good, studious little foot soldier in the Communist or Democrat or Socialist or Democrat Socialist Party, and there's not enough GDP. Because when it, when it boils down to it, if the kid at Middlebury School that, whose parents had a little bit more money than your parents, when it boils down to it, their parents are going to pay to make sure that their son gets the job and you don't. You go work in the fields. I know I would have to think, you know, like if, if a good friend like Beckloff, like <clears throat> Glorious Carl, like the great Matt Baldoni, their lives were threatened. I would certainly do something if I was around to prevent that. I would risk my own life. And I'm not trying to kiss ass like, look how great I'm at. No, I'm being deadly serious. I would. But that's because conservatives, libertarians, not all of them, but certainly at a higher they love and care for their fellow man. They are not arrogant. They are not egotistical. They know that there is no value in life without other people. And that's why when you find good people, boy, if they're not around, there ain't a real good... So you better go protect those motherfuckers. <laughs> Leftists, they, they, they are not. At their core, they are lazy. Some are stupid. Some are well-intentioned. But they are becoming fewer and fewer. But if you're reading, it takes a village to your little daughter... Undermining your own authority as a parent, by the way. Uh, you, you Just admit it. You're incapable of love, altruism, and all that. You don't care about these black people. You don't care about black poverty. You don't care about the black community. It's this disgusting mental illness that has taken over. I don't know. 20% of the population? Maybe? The percent of the population that voted for Hillary? The adult? I mean, that might be an idea. Because like, if you're voting for Hillary... Good Lord, yeah. And maybe maybe it's more like 25 or 30%. That that percent of the population, oh, they claim they love the church. No, they don't. These are evil people. Deep down inside, they're evil, selfish people. They're not capable of altruism or love for their fellow man. They just aren't. And so that's why... that's I And I wanted to highlight that with this little Karina story. Because she didn't love anyone except herself. And she got exactly what she deserved. All right, maybe we should do some... Sponsor. Did I print that off? God darn it. Hang on. All right, we're going to do a bunch of sponsors in one shot because I actually have two other news items to get to. Uh, Praxy. Praxy.com, spelled P-R-A-X-E-Y.com. This is an interesting uh, guy. I did a, a interview with him, uh, not just to do a, an advertisement for him because he's a sponsor, but he, uh, he's got a hell of an interesting entrepreneurial idea. And basically what it does is it allows people to kind of do asshole consulting. That's why it came to me first, Is uh, but it's on the phone. And it's like Skype, like FaceTime, but the difference is that you are an expert or you are a in-demand social media type person, whatever. There's a reason a lot of people want to talk to you. It, it could be for, because you're a cute girl, whatever. And what you could do is you say, okay, well, you can Praxy me. And they say, well, what does that mean? So, well, you go to Praxy.com, and uh, if you are a expert or an in-demand celebrity, such as myself, uh, or whatever, for whatever reason people want to talk to you, you set up your account, and then you set your price. And then people can basically call you on the phone, although they're not calling your number, they're Praxying you. And they have already paid the money up front 
for a certain session. So this has it was this is why I wanted to talk to him because it had very interesting, wide-ranging ramifications. His original intention was for contractors, like, hey, I got a plumbing question, or hey, I got a computer question, and you don't want to drag your buddy 300 miles away, so you just take the phone, you look at that, and uh, your buddy, or you know, you, you contact this guy, the remote IT guy, and he shows you, oh yeah, this is what you got to do, hit this, hit that, blah, 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 or here's how you fix your car, so that's what he was thinking about. He was also thinking about um, people who become paraplegics or quadriplegics, who had an expertise in something or other, who can no longer do it, but they can talk somebody through it a thousand miles away. I was thinking more, and he contacted me, he's like, well, okay, so you got people that want to talk to you over Skype for asshole consulting, <clears throat> try this on the phone. And even though I already have kind of a setup with Skype uh, that works, if I'm on the road or whatever, I'm like, you know what, this is so cool, this is so slick, I want to give it a shot. I haven't set up my account yet, but... Uh, then I was thinking, wait a minute, what if you're like a cute little 16-year-old girl that just wants attention? And you could get guys to pay you to talk to you on the phone. It's like a 1-900. And so there's that element of it too. So this thing could go on forever. Anyway, he is a sponsor of the show. And um, it, it's just interesting. I know not everybody out there has a reason or is looking into this. But if you have an expertise and you think that this platform might work, we say, look, I'll do it over the phone. I mean, this is perfect for IT guys. This is perfect for tradesmen. Um, but don't let that limit your thinking. If there's a way, like, you think, oh, I'm a pretty girl. Guys want to, and seriously, they do. They freaking do. So why not charge for it? So it's praxy.com. P-R-X, P, I'm sorry, P-R-A-X-E-Y.com. If you do sign up, let them know that the captain sent you. I don't know how you contact. I think it's admin at praxy.com so email him his name's Stefan cool guy interviewed him watch the interview it's, it's, it's just an interesting it's like watching the birth of a star but it's like watching the birth of an entrepreneur uh, you know, like an idea hopefully it turns into a full star but it's just, it was really neat uh, we have two additional uh, podcasters The Real Mark Baxter just search The Real Mark Baxter at realmarkbaxter.com and entrepreneurs in cars um, uh, where the, he's YouTube he's on YouTube <coughs> Real Mark Baxter, he is on SoundCloud as long as they stay in business. Uh, and then, have you bought nose hairs trimmers, male or female? Have you bought them? Are you like, what's going What are you crazy? Why do I have to nose hairs trimmers? Best $9 in your life you're ever going to spend. You're not pulling there, driving at night, pulling out the nose hairs. You ain't got that constant itch. And where do you get nose hairs? You get it through my Amazon affiliate program. Okay. All you got to do is go to CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com, click on the Amazon banner. That'll take you to Amazon with a little bit of code on the URL. You don't have to do anything more except just buy your stuff. I get about a 6 to 7% commission, but like YouTube, Amazon's tweaking the thing, so it's down to like 3 or 5 I don't know. It's I've, I've given up. I, I always knew this would be like free money until they realize, hey, we're a monopolist. Screw everybody. And that's what they're doing. Uh, we have my books, Reconnaissance Man, The Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty, Bachelor Pad Economics, Worthless, Enjoy the Decline, Curse of the High IQ, and my new book that's going to be coming out, I think I'm going to title it The New Retirement. <clears throat> I'm not sure if I will or not. There's another book out there called that, but uh, titles are not copyrightable unless they're very unique. 
Um, but anyway, so all my books except for The Black Man's Got Out of Poverty are available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. The New Retirement, that is going to be coming out in about two weeks or so, depending on how much effort I put forth into it, <clears throat> whether or not I could get Chris to cover for me. Um, but yeah, and so that one, I'm just warning everybody now. I'm warning everybody now. If you've already read Bachelor Pad Economics and you already got, you already know minimalism, there's no need for you to get this book. You're already on the path. If you know your fellow man is your most important thing in life, if you know humans are the most important thing in life, uh, you don't need this book. Okay? So you don't have to get it. I'm trying to aim for uh, a completely different target audience. Certainly, buy it if you like it, if you think it would help you, go ahead. But I'm trying to get basically people who don't have enough saved up for retirement, which obviously is much, much broader an audience uh, than, but not as pretty or as smart as my uh, cappy cap audience here. Uh, I just want to save you guys some time, so don't think, oh, I got to buy it because Aaron wrote it. It, it is going to be review material but woven in a way that's a very specific, practical, and comprehensive retirement strategy. So if you need a little hand-holding, like, you're like you still need a little bit of structure uh, beyond what's in Bachelor Pad Economics, cool, you know, go ahead and get it. I'm just warning everybody not to rush out and get it unless it's very much going to be of benefit to you. Uh, then we have other people's books. We have Frank Servi's uh, Uncle Nick and Burning the Midnight. He also wrote the book uh, Where Pretty Lies Perish. Montrose County, that's the uh, thriller, the Jason Bourne-like thriller where uh, these two Canadians and the NATO Armed Forces snipers find plans uh, to assassinate the president in Colorado. But they uh, are their, their communication equipment is destroyed and they got to battle their way back to get this message back to the United States. Uh, so as this attack is about to happen, a quiet, sleepy sheriff... Uh, is unaware of what's coming down her uh, road. So uh, that that looked really good, um, and if I had time, I would read it. Uh, but if you guys would, buy that. Montrose County, available paperback and Kindle. No, not paperback, only Kindle. Because, again, nobody knows how to monetize things on the Internet. Uh, then we have, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Adam Pickett's books, Run, Bu- Run Guts, Pull Cones, and Pushing Rubber Downhill. You can visit Adam's site at PushingRubberDownhill.com where he has a podcast and a blog as well. Alex Peck's book, Average Married Dad's Guide to Health, Wealth, and a Sexy Marriage. Alex Peck is ripped, and he's better looking than you. And he's better looking than me. And so, yeah, I would totally listen to this guy. I met him. He's, he's a really cool dude, engineer, all that other stuff. And um, he, he's, he's married, so this is... He's not like some dude bro... Yeah, man, this is how you get girls, and they got like their jacket on, and they're not wearing a tie, which the the look I appreciate. But when everyone's doing that, they're doing the jacket, dress shirt, no tie. It's like, yeah, man, listen to me because look how cool I am. I ain't got a tie. Like, yeah, there's enough of that going around. This guy's actually married. This guy's like Rolo Tomasi, except he doesn't sell whiskey. Oh, that reminds me, Rolo Tomasi. Go to therationalmail.com and go buy some of Rolo's whiskey. i got to add him for the hour. I forgot to add him here. But now that I remember it. Yeah, uh, The Rational Mail. You guys all know Rolo. He's got his book out there. It's just basically a backup of his of his uh, blog. But he also sells whiskey. That's his main gig. He is a exchangeur of spirits. And um, I should probably buy some from the GF. 
because she likes whiskey. I bet, I bet, and he wouldn't sell crap. I don't think he'd sell crap at all. Honestly, I don't think, I, I bet you it's really good whiskey. He'll say, of course it is, but I don't know. She's got a very peculiar palate there, Mr. Tomasi. Wonder if, uh, wonder if she would, I mean, I'll go, go buy some. I will go buy some. I should get a affiliate program or something like that with him. All right. Uh, then we have Carrie Lutz's book, Viral Podcasting. If you're interested in getting into podcasting, which I recommend you do, absolutely. Everybody, if you want to do it, well, not everybody, because then nobody will be listening to anything. But if you think, I wonder if I should get into podcasting, yeah. But before you do it, read Carrie Lutz's book. He came out with a book, This Man Knows How to Podcast. Um, his audience is at least 10 times the size of mine. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and he does all the right things that I frankly don't have the patience or the time to do. And I'm sure if I did it, I'd have a larger audience. But uh, if you want to become a professional podcaster, you can do it. The Wild West has not been settled yet. Go and get yourself a stake of land, but read Viral Podcasting first. You can find that available on Amazon.com. And then Chris Muir's Day by Day Cartoon. Go to Day by Day Cartoon. You get your daily dose of political commentary and humor. Asshole Consulting, that's my site. You can go to assholeconsulting.com if you have questions. Uh, I will answer them for a fee because my time is worth money, at least to me. And then if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, you may. It's $100 a month. We have about 3,000 unique listeners weekly, but that um, that does not include the uh, 30,000 subscribers I have on YouTube and the roughly 1,000 people a day that come to my blog to read. And I plug you on all three formats. And that reminds me, i got to plug Montrose County on YouTube as well. Just too much shit, stuff to do. Too much stuff. Not enough times. Chad Elkins. ElkinsCPA.com. Accountant. Go there if you need it. Taxes, financial advice, all that. Have them look at it. Blah, blah, blah. The League of Extraordinary Podcasters, including Financial Survival Network with uh, Kerry Lutz. We have Obsidian Radio on YouTube. Uh, the O'Shea Vlog. Um, he's going to be on, what, we're going to be on 48 hours from now. I wanted to interview him and find out what's going on. And he's like, okay, I set it up. I'm like, set up what? For the live stream. I'm like, I thought I'm interviewing you. He's like, no, I want to interview you. I really like the book. I'm like, oh. The book can wait. But, like, what was happening to him on YouTube like he lost 36,000 subscribers just like that. YouTube just said, oh, yeah, you ain't got these people no more. And so they set up another site. And what's great about it is he's getting just as many views. Like everyone went right over them. It's great. And I always, I always worried, like, oh, what if YouTube were to shut me down, you know? Would people find me? Yeah, they would. You guys would find me. I put it up on the, on the blog saying, here's the new site over at Daily Motion. Here I am at VidMe or wherever it is. And uh, it just shows you cannot keep a good man down. You can't. You will not keep a good man down, YouTube. You will not keep him down. You go ahead and and think about how much money and time and the shareholders' money you're wasting trying to govern and regulate speech. Just think about that, man. How much time are you guys pissing away on that? Well, you see, you could, you, just, so what? Let people say they're Nazis. Let people say, hey, let's kill all the Jews. Let's kill all the blacks. You know what? And then we'll know who they are. And then, you know, or, hey, you know what? Here's our plans to go and bomb the next pussy country over in Europe. And then the FBI and the CIA and whoever else can say, hey, look, 
I mean, it'd be a bigger net. You'd catch you'd catch as many bad people as you'd be allowing pe- good people to have the freedom of speech. You know, let let the let the jerks of society, let the evil people of society, be evil. Then we know who they are. Give them a platform. I know everybody thinks I'm evil because I'm happy that woman's dead. But ask me, is it evil to want evil people to be dead? That's what I want to know. And I'm being deadly serious. The real question is like, well, did she know? Did she? Yeah, 34 years old, yeah. Don't tell me she was brainwashed. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm just going to believe this crazy stuff here and paint bicycles. Uh, Financial Survival Network, Obsidian Radio, Kanto Talk, Silvio Kanto's uh, show. Uh, you can find that on Blog Talk Radio. He's from Cuba, escaped the uh, communist uh, Fidel Castro back when he was 10. Wrote a book called Cubanos in Wisconsin. They ended up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. He ended up becoming a Green Bay Packers fan. Great book. Look it up. Again, on Amazon. Uh, you can listen to St. Lancus, our father, who art in Los Angeles. Blow me up, Tom. Blowmeuptom.com. That's where Tom Lycus broadcasts. Uh, he is uh, he is probably the founder of all this. He was he was there before it all went pop. He was there. He was Daniel Boone. He was out there when there was no settlers. There was no railroad tracks. He was just out there laying, er, scoping out the area, getting raccoon hats. Sin Lib Soch, Cynical Libertarian Society, abbreviated C-Y-N-L-I-B-S-O-C.com. Uh, if you are in for someone who's even more hate-filled than me, just warning, just warning, not politically correct at all, go to Cynical Libertarian Society. You just search that. Academiccomposition.com. If you guys are looking for people to write your papers in college because, well, majoring in white ma- the hatred of white male studies or whatever Karina had her degree in, uh, if, if you don't want to write papers because that has nothing to do with you getting your degree in a real field, uh, outsource it. Do what smart corporations doing. That is outsource. Go to academiccomposition.com or Alex and his crackpot team of staff writers. We'll go and write your papers for you. They also do resumes for $100 a shot. And if you are looking for jobs, you know, you want to work from home because it can be done over the Internet, Alex is always looking to hire. You can uh, be a writer or you can be a marketer. Both jobs are incredibly boring. Do not think this is going to be fun. It will be boring. All right? Uh, so just be happy it's money. Be happy you can work from a, a beach in Thailand drunk if you want, but it's going to be boring. And then we have uh, jimfear138.blogspot.com and undertowaudio.com. Two people that if you want to do voice work for you, who I'm going to have uh, read my books. Uh, and they do, they, they have done, each of them have done a book. They've done my books. They're affordable. They're good. They're professional. And it doesn't have to be books. Any kind of voice acting you need, talk to these professionals. That's jimfear138.blogspot.com and undertowaudio.com. Uh, what else? Oh, you can follow me on Gab.ai, Minds, Twitter, Facebook, and all the other social media out there. Follow me on YouTube. And I know it's a pain in the rear, but uh, I finally figured out why you have to subscribe and like, and that helps with the algorithm. So if you would, kindly go subscribe. If, if you're subscribed to this thing, go to iTunes and do a review and do a star rating. If you uh, follow me on YouTube, just just like the videos and subscribe. If you're if you're on Twitter, follow me. Get an account and follow me. I I don't send out junk mail or anything like that. 
it's that's just how it works. If you want to support me, but you don't want to donate money, uh, which I pretty much haven't even mentioned, and you don't have anything to buy on Amazon, and you don't like my books, but you still want to help out, comment, like, and subscribe, and review. Ba-ba-ba. And then, Betterment. Uh, you can go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Click on the Betterment banner. It's kind of like the light blue banner off to the right. I think it's to the right. If you say, what's Betterment? You know what? Look on my YouTube channel. It's called, What the Heck is Betterment? Just search that on YouTube. You'll find it. It's uh, something I definitely endorse. I'm definitely going to use when I pay off the house uh, because I'm not a big fan of 401ks or IRAs, uh, which is what that is. But if you're if you're at that point where it's like, hey, I want to invest in an IRA, trust you me, just go through Betterment, okay? Um, I, it's not giving financial advice. You'll, you'll see it's all index funds. It's, all, it's a robo-advisor, so it's all algorithms. And basically, they're just cutting out the human that's not necessary. They're cutting up Slick McSlickerson, all right? So if you don't like Slick McSlickerson, you could go ahead and uh, go to Betterment.com. No, don't go to Betterment.com. Go to CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com and then go to Betterment.com. Now, listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? This is a bit dated, and I probably will write a post on this. I'll have to write. You know what? Let's do that now. I'll put that on my notepad so I don't forget. Vietnam airline win value. There we go. Uh, From Bloomberg, how Bikini Airline helped to create Vietnam's first woman billionaire. And let's just stop with the title. And um, it's all right there. I know feminists and women would like to think that your primary value comes from what you think and what you do. And I'm here to agree with you that it should. I'm, I'm trying to walk a very thin line here. I'm not trying to be typical old bragging Clary. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a very important point. In a, in a perfect world, in a meritocracy, you would be valued for what you achieve, for your principles and your standards, and just what type of a person you are on the inside. And... To an assert, not to a certain extent, but to to a hundred percent extent, or at least as much as meritocracy will allow, you are. If you go and major in engineering, you will make more than the five other girls who all majored in child psychology or sociology. If you go and join the military and have the GI Bill pay for your CPA, you will make more money than this Korea gal. Uh, who was an artist over in Baltimore planting trees in parking lot meters. So there is that, the the free world, the free market, a market left untouched, will value for, and, and if you're a quality woman and loving and caring, you will have more men interested in dating. That that, That is true. But I don't know why you girls would see it as sad, I see it as, but in addition to, you have this other benefit, but some, you're upset that this overshadows it. The real world, 
also has another demand for you. And this demand is much larger than the demand for you to be an engineer, much larger for you to be a programmer, much larger for you to be a surgeon, much larger for you to be a FedEx delivery person, Uber driver, whatever. And that is sex. Especially female beauty. Youth and female beauty, of which you girls are the only ones that can offer that. We men can't. That is the highest demanded commodity on the planet. It always has been. It currently is now. And it forever will be. And you need to get that through your head because it's not optional. Okay? It's stoicism. Unfortunately, Chris Backloss' dog has passed away. He is a mature enough man to, to mourn in grief, but he accepts that. It is reality. I accept gravity pulls towards mass. I accept light travels at the speed of light. I accept women want taller, ripped men. I do not complain about these things or these realities because it's pointless. But a virus has infected women since the 60s and 70s to make you girls think that you're going to change male biology that has been hardwired and programmed into us for the past two million years. You think you're going to change the biology of Life that has been on planet Earth for, what, a billion years? I'd have have to look it up. And you are going to disrespect and not accept that men have certain tastes and preferences and you are going to tell them that they're, quote, wrong for liking what they like. Which is is just as as wrong as you saying, lecturing a, a gay man saying, oh, you choose to be gay. That's exactly what it's saying. Oh, you choose that. You, you, you choose that. You're, you're wrong. It's, it's just as wrong to tell a straight man that it's wrong for him to like redheads with big boobs. Now, regardless, here we have an article. And I have just... I'll read the title again. How Bikini Airlines Helped to Create Vietnam's First Woman Billionaire. And it, it summarizes succinctly and moots any arguments... The real world is speaking to you. The real world has awarded a bikini airline billions of dollars in net worth. And before you get all hussy, oh, angry, ooh, angry, ooh, it's patriarchy, it's a woman who runs this airline. This woman, you want to talk about rare instances where beauty, and she's a very pretty woman on top of it, you want to talk about rare instances where physical beauty uh, is, is not the number one thing where it's even rewarded. Her becoming a purveyor of female beauty is what got her more money than just regular beauty would. And I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to make it easy for you girls. That, and, and I'm trying to also speak some very wise fatherly advice, or at least older brotherly advice. You are only young once. Your beauty will fade. Your opportunity to cash in on it, be it free dates, free drinks, something lowbrow like that, or, well, and, 
getting business opportunities, getting favorable treatment for men in, in pretty much every regard in life, and ultimately, and you could go ahead and fight it and deny it, but deep down inside, every one of you girls would like to get married, ultimately securing yourself a good, high-quality man. You don't have to marry him, but, but a committed man. That, and then you get lifelong companionship, stability, blah, 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 all that. I know, I know it shocks you that there might be benefits to having a man in your life, but I, I'm just saying, Darwinistically speaking, just as men are programmed to want women with big boobs, long hair, long legs, and, and uh, uh, pretty eyes, women are programmed, typically, to want a stable man, providers of bigger, stronger, etc. We just accept that you don't. And here, just just the title tells you everything you need to know. That's the uh, Vietnamese Yen Tai Phuong Tao made her first million at 21 trading fax machines and latex rubber. How cool is this chick gotta be, huh? This chick would be cool to do a clarity test on. I'd like to meet her, not because she's hot. I, I would I would love to meet this person. She's obviously way too busy to chit chat with me. Uh, almost a quarter of a century later, she is poised to become South, Southeast Asia's first self-made woman billionaire known for putting bikini-clad models on her Viet Jet Aviation Joint Stock Company planes and calendars. With the initial public offering of Vietnam's only privately owned airline, Tao is set to have a net worth exceeding $1 billion, according to Bloomberg's Billionaires Index, making her the country's first woman billionaire. The majority of her wealth is derived from her stake in Viet Jet and her holdings in Dragon City, a 65-hectare real estate development in Ho Chi Minh City. And there's a picture of her. Very pretty uh, uh, woman. Although I don't... One thing, I have I have worked for um, Asians before. Uh, and, of course, the talented Mr. Lee is Vietnamese. And the amount of face and just utter bullshit that goes on in those communities. Like weddings, like you got to show who's got more money. Um, and they'll they'll borrow and in, they'll, they'll they'll cripple and bankrupt the family's finances because their eldest son gets married and they have to make oh look at it and I'm like really and then what they also believe like the year of the dragon that's big over there man that is big stuff like if if you're born in the year of the dragon holy cow you know, like wow that's that's something and that's superstition and so I wouldn't doubt if this face, if she was photoshopped. But this picture as it is right now, she looks to be a very attractive woman. Uh, I've never sat down and calculated my assets, Tao, 45, said in an interview. I'm just focused on how to boost the company's growth, how to increase the average salary for my employees, how to lead the airline to gain more market share and make it number one. Hmm. Contrast that to Karina Mihil, who just wanted to bitch and whine and moan her entire life about how poor black people. See, this woman's actually helping people tangibly. Employing people. <laughs> Thank God. I wonder how many people Corinne, with her little degree in social justice warrioring, uh, Karina. I wonder how many people she employed. Tao said she's planning for Viet Jet to hold its IPO as early as within next, the next three months, where it will sell as much as a 30% stake. The carrier is aiming to seek a valuation of more than $1 billion, according to two people with knowledge of the plan. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So that's pretty cool. I'm glad to see that. But just wanted to point that out to you guys. All right, the next story, where is it? Oh, hang on. Let's, let me find it. Okay, I looked it up 
and I discovered something even more terrifying. Let me tell you what I was originally going to go with. There was a female student. This was on a Cynical Libertarian Society uh, podcast. And he was talking about a, a teacher who had slept with one of her students. I guess the, the spin on this one was that it was a female teacher and a female student. Ooh, lesbianism. Ooh. And it, it was like, you know, all right, another one of these stories. But where I was going to go with it was, how, how, don't you know by now not to do it? Like, you don't, you don't need to be, again, I know teachers are pretty dumb. I know education majors have the lowest IQ on average of all the different majors in, in college. But you're not dumb. You're not retarded. The average IQ, I believe, is 102 or 103. You're just severely average. So being severely average, do you know not to diddle your students? And I, I understand that these are high school kids and they are not prepubescent. I believe there was a conversation on the Beckloff podcast about the difference between pedophilia, which is being attracted to prepubescent children versus underage sex with a minor uh, and there's a different word for that where it's like, yeah, you're attracted to the 19-year-old hottie. Well, of course, all right? And, and, and that's natural but illegal. Uh, my, my point was how, how at this after what, 20 years, a decade at least of story after story of all these teachers sleeping with their students, uh, how dumb do you have to be to do that? That, that would be the... The number one don't do thing. Aaron, what, what, what's the number one thing you don't do as a teacher? I'd say diddle my students. <laughs> now, I'm all for sleeping with your students if they're in college and they're ex-students. I did that. That was great. I fully advocate as a college teacher that after your kids graduate, your students, because they are adults uh, and they are no longer your students, but they were your students, you absolutely take advantage of your position of authority and power or attention. A lot of people, oh, you're in a position of power. Not really. It's that you're, you're, you're a center of attention. Girls like that. <clears throat> you should absolutely sleep with your students. Absolutely. <laughs> but that means they're adults, and that is after they graduate from the college you teach at. Okay? That, that's, that's the, that makes sense. But it's not even a fine line. It's a pretty clear, thick line. Even with a three-dimensionality, a thickness to it, that you don't sleep with K through, K through high school students at all. I don't care how cool it is. I don't care what sexual attraction you have. You would think this would be like, don't piss in the principal's face. You know, that, that'd be a pretty obvious one. Don't punch the vice principal in the nuts. That would be another rule. Don't set fire to the guidance counselor. And don't have sex with your students. That would be above, because sometimes punching the principal in the face, they deserve that, especially these losers who are like, oh, you chewed a pop-tart to look like a pistol. Those guys need to get punched in the face. Some guidance counselors need to be set ablaze. But you never sleep with your students. I was like, how is this even a news story? 
How can you be so stupid as to sleep with your stool? Well, I uh, pull it up here on my little cellio phone, and I am realizing how bad this is because I cannot find the story that the great one himself was talking about. But guys, you know how it like shows you the date and the time and how many hours ago, you know, like if you do a Google search or a Bing search, it's, you know, you get the link, but it says seven hours ago or 11 hours ago or 13 hours ago. Um, here, pregnant teacher had sex, exchanged naked photos with students 13 hours ago. New, Florida teacher arrested for allegedly spitting on student 11 hours ago. 25-year-old Catholic high school teacher arrested for sexual something 13 hours ago. Teacher accused of having sex with Montague High School 11 hours ago. Teacher raised enough uh, bikes fence at the team uh, struck for... Music teacher struck off for a relationship with student 20 hours ago. Email social media shows missing ten, uh, related coverage... The larger point is it hasn't been 24 hours and there's already like four new stories of what could largely be considered sexual misconduct with students. And what I'm not fearing, but what I'm fully coming to grips with is, my God, you forget priests. Forget priests. I know you leftists have it in for conservative, traditional, white, Catholic America. I'm sure you do. Uh, Have you seen your own rank and file of uh, teachers that are diddling all their kids? Uh, Here's another one. Lockhart teacher accused of having improper relationship with my student, March 20th. Special ed teacher accused of having sex with students, March 27th. Uh... Former Pittison area teacher admits the inappropriate relationship March 30th. And these are not the same ones. There may have been a little bit of overlap. And I, I'm fully aware that the social justice warrior, professional victims, woe is me, children, uh, you teachers and Gen X parents have brought up, maybe crying wolf. I'm aware of that. But if even half of these are correct, I mean, how many come in a day? What? Four, five? I mean, we do some math. Hang on, how many? Let's do some quick math here. Where'd the calculator go? Come on, Clary, you used to be able to do this stuff. There we go, calculator. Uh, five a day times 365, 1,825. That seems a bit high, but I, I don't know what, I mean, maybe is March... Is March the the month that teachers go and bang their students? Like, you get it out in March? Is that what you guys are doing? I'm just assuming if this is any indication that, you know, four a day or five a day of new sexual uh, misconduct with students, how many teachers are there? Number of teachers in U.S.? Public school systems will employ 3.1 million. Holy cow. Wow, that is an army of worthless people. <laughs> okay, 3.1 million. I didn't know that was... Okay, so what did I have? There's 3 million. Uh, let's just say four people a day. Times 365. 14 divided by 3. 1, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0. Oh, maybe that's 
Okay. That's not bad. It's only be, it's only because there are so many teachers. There is only one, two. Okay, all right. It is 0.05%. Not 5%, 0.05%. One, two, moving the decimal over. Okay. So it's only a 0.05. So there is that many. That stands to reason. Maybe that's a little high. Again, maybe March, you know, springtime. Old, ugly, uh, public sector women's loins are getting a little, their eggs getting a little dusty. They want to go bang the football team. All right, so only 0.05% of teachers are going to diddle their kids. Because <laughs> there's 3 million. So about 1,500 teachers a year will diddle the kids. Uh, but then I wonder how many priests there are to see who's who's more of a, of a threat. Man, 3.1 million. There's that many teachers. Who knew? I would have guessed maybe, maybe half a million most. I did not realize it was 3 million teachers. All right, so you could expect it to be a multi-daily occurrence that there's all, at least once a day, there's going to be a teacher, a public school teacher, uh, engaging in sexual misconduct with one of their students. Average, more likely around maybe four, three or four. Don't quote me on these statistics. I'm just looking up what I saw on, on, on the, the thing. But because there's so many teachers, and it's such a shocking and juicy tidbit of a story, it seems like it's a lot more. All right, so I, I, I take that back, teachers. You're just stupid. You're not, you're not evil in sex hounds. You guys are just stupid. That's all. Don't email me and say, I know this one teacher who's really... I know, I know. I know some teachers who are friends of mine. They they know I don't hate them. They are conservative. They are smart. They do not fit the typical teachers. But I'll say it again. Out of the 89 teachers I had, three, three of them were worth, were worth anything. All right? The rest of them were worth buckets. They were damaging. I don't have to go into the reasons why it's all right to hate your teachers. I don't have to go into the reasons what their incentives are. I'm just surprised how many teachers there are. And I feel a lot better that that only 1,500 teachers a year, by my estimation, diddle their kids. Although I guess you would have to prorate that over the course of a teacher's career, wouldn't you? Still doesn't change my my primary question. There should be zero. Like, there can't be 1,500. I guess there can be 1,500 stupid people a year. But what? There should be none. That's such a boneheaded move. And honestly, I can't, not to get into my personal tale, I can't get attracted to, I know this sounds odd, but I am not that attracted to the younger gals. And by younger, I mean girls in their 20s. I don't know if it's that I dated enough of them or if I see them, their behaviors are cringeworthy, but I just, I'm not that attracted. Oh yeah, every once in a while, there's a good looking gal that goes like, whoa, look at that. But seriously, I'm more like that. Yeah, late 20s, early 30s. That's a woman, you know. I'm not going to have to babysit that. That'll turn my head. You give me a classily dressed gal, not a slutty dressed gal, a classily dressed gal, early 30s, late 20s, I'll turn my head. But I remember we were down at the Red Rock Casino uh, just this past winter. And the the 
elevator doors open and out came this cackle, this gaggle of sluts, just sluts. They're just like 18, 19, 20 year old sluts, probably with fake IDs. And I just looked at them. I'm like, ew, just, just, ugh. Like, go, go back home. Go, go find your dad. Go return your older sister's ID. Just, and, and no, I don't. Although I wonder, I, someone tell me this. Maybe Roosh would know because he's he still goes to nightclubs. But I mean, is that a thing anymore? Or am I just getting so old and wise now that I see it for what it is? But do you are you boys still going to the clubs? Are you guys still going? Like, because when I look at that, I'm like, it's so apparent what these girls are doing. Throw in the fact they're not that bright. I just I I. I don't know. When we were younger, there were no other options. We didn't have the ability to confer and compare notes. We didn't have older brothers. But I'm thinking by now, you guys have got to know, right? You got to know like when the doors open, ding, and out come these drunk, sloppy girls. I guess the new fashion is to have the shoulders missing in a dress. Don't know what the hell that is. I guess they call it free shoulders or open shoulders or something like that. All the women are rolling their eyes right now. All three that listen to the show. They say, it's this thing. It's very in. It's very in. Remember the maxi dress? You think we're going to see a repeat of the maxi dress? I don't think so. It's been four years now we've had maxi dresses. What's what's the new fashion that the herd is going to have to go and conform and abide by? What is it, ladies? What are you, what, what are you going to just, you're just going to, is it going to be the shoulderless thing? That was very popular over in Vegas. All right. That's all we got. Um, We'll catch up with you guys. Go ahead. Tell family, friends, loved ones, people you're genuinely indifferent about, about the Cleary podcast. Um, Tune in to the Beckloff Uh, this Saturday. I'll have this uploaded on Saturday. So it'll be Saturday night. That'll be on YouTube. And that's all we got. We'll catch up with the kids later. Toodles.